Whenever my world falls apart I never lose hope or lose heart Whatever the form of the storm that may brew Not with you to lean on, darlings, you Hello and welcome to The Original Cast, a podcast about original cast albums and the people who love them. I'm Patrick Flynn. One of the fun things about having this podcast is every now and again, I say things out into the world about stuff that I like, and then I get to meet the people that made the thing that I like, and here to talk to me about something he made that I like, but also something else, it's Billy Reese, everybody. Hi, how are you, Patrick? Thank you Good, so much you? for having me. Hi, so thank you for being had. It is great to uh, to get to meet you, and we will absolutely be talking about Little Black Book, um, and also Perks of Being uh, uh, a Snowflake. We will talk about yes. a lot of different things uh, <laughs> that I have discovered, but um, that you have created. But uh, before we do any of that, you're here to talk about. I'm here to talk about um, one of my favorite albums. I think it's the best live cabaret album ever recorded and that is infinite joy songs of william finn i see the world through your eyes and possibilities expand the one thing i don't understand is how you kept your poise when Faith Prince. Oh, that's, that's a good. All right. That's a good one. That's a good Invite list. me back. We'll talk about that one. Yeah, yeah, we go. All right. I like that. So how did Infinite Joy come into your life? I was a huge William Finn nut in high school. I've always known I wanted to be a musical theater writer. And, you know, because of that, I sort of obsessed over all the musical theater writers growing up. But the one that really, like, I think has left the most defining impact on me as a writer um, is William Finn. Um, Falsettos was sort of my way into his work, was sort of the first show of his that I became obsessed with, got me through my freshman year of high school. Um, and then I discovered A New Brain and, you know, Spelling Bee and in Trousers. Um, and then I sort of, uh, I had Anne They're Off in my book when I was an actor back in the day. Ah, okay. Uh, as, as every, you know, gay 16 year old twink has at some point <laughs> mommy sat and cried but dad was unaffected he said have you ever had a better two minutes in the last three years he said but dad the dumb horse lost he said sometimes joy has a terrible cost i know that ma would scoff Whew. Hear her scoff, she would scoff, and they're off. Yeah, they're off. Mommy's biting his neck as they roll on the deck, and they're off. There is blood on the ground, and the band starts to play as the horses go round, and they're off. Probably got into this album through Lewis Cleal's version of And They're Off. Um, and, um, and yeah, I just sort of became obsessed with it. You know, it was, this album sort of came to me right around the time when I started presenting my own songwriting, you know, mm -hmm. and in concerts and stuff on Long Island and whatnot. And it has always sort of been the template for me um, as to what makes a great sort of songwriter's review song cycle. Um, and even just to like down to like how the piano is played on the album. I'm like, that's how like I play, you know, piano at my concerts now and how I do banter in my concerts now, you know, just mm -hmm. it's, it's really, and you know, it, it's been a, a hot minute since I've listened through to the thing, but I listened through to it, you know, for this podcast. And I was just really struck by how much of an impact, you know, this album has had on my sort of creative career. It's interesting. I've had a few composer lyricists on mm -hmm. and 
you and Michael Finke both chose Bill Finn song cycles. Basically, he chose elegies mm. and you drew yeah. infinite joy. And then one of the other ones, uh, Doug Cohen chose Sondheim's, uh, the Sondheim celebration of the Scrabble album, as it is called. Mm. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting to me that you guys gravitated towards concerts, song cycles instead of shows, that those were the ones, the albums yeah. that you kept coming back to and coming back to and coming back to. Mm-hmm. And as I was listening to this, I was really sort of, there was so much about it that was attractive. I had heard cuts from it, but I don't think I'd ever listened to the whole thing all the way through. Mm-hmm. And listening to to Bill Finn perform, <laughs> Yeah, it's it's an experience. Uh, yeah, it's an experience. What I love, and I wonder if, if you thought this too. But listening to Mister Make Me a Song, which is his you know opening of yeah. the, of the show, he sounds like he's been performing all day. Like his voice oh, sounds like garbage. it is done. It's, it is completely yes. done. And like, and I kept thinking, this is the first song. All I'm asking for is a tune. Something itchy to tap my toes to Something that in late afternoon Makes high-strung boys collapse Mister, perhaps you need some refreshment What about some oolong? Ooh, make me a song That's what's sort of so beautiful, I think, about this album is that sort of idiosyncratic, you know, like, I don't give a fuck if I can't sing. Like, I'm going to start my show and do my thing and whatever, you know, and and what William Finn is, he's one of the last musical theater songwriters who is also uh, his own brand, if you know what I mean, Mm -hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And that is, you know, in part the style of his song, but also who he is as a person, you know, mm-hmm. um, he's he's one of the last sort of musical theater songwriters that you can like do an impression of, you know, <laughs> like I can't do an impression of Pasek and Paul. I could try. I don't know what it would sound like, you know, right. but but William Finn is just so beautifully distinct and he revels in that. He kind of lives in this sort of odd liminal space between mm-hmm. musical theater and opera to me Mm. where the songs and uh are just they 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 really focus on getting the information across over the melody not that the melodies aren't great but there's often moments in these songs where it will drift into kind of a couple of bars where we're just doing the same you know it's almost like a recitative and then we'll slide back into the song again for a minute. All his songs to me always feel like he's making them up as he goes along. I was about to say, I was about, that's exactly what I was going to say. There is a sort of uh, um, lack, yes, they they feel improvised in a way, you know, which is sort of the the charm of them, you know, is is that he definitely goes into the songs with a hook. I will give him that, you know? And then everything else around it is just like him trying to get back to that, that, to that hook, which mm-hmm. I completely resonate with. I mean, it's like if if good songwriting is a good hook, then uh, he it's 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 about the journey to get back to that hook, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and and I think uh, I don't know. I think I've learned a lot uh, in that sense from him. I mean, I I prefer a little more hardcore structure when I write songs now, but. I do believe the the thing to always start with is that great lyric, that great, you know, uh, uh, two line chorus um, and take it from there. It is. Yeah. I was going to say, like, I, I think you're my limited experience with, with your music, obviously, but the, the, at least in little black book, they are very, they're structured songs, but there are moments where they take walks, Yeah, you know, and that is, it, it's a, that to me is also what separates like a musical theater song from a pop song. Mm. in the mm-hmm. sense like pop songs are very slave to structure mm-hmm. they have to be even like your long meandering pop songs sure. are basically you know verse first MacArthur chorus, Park. Verse, yeah exactly. exactly there's a mm-hmm. super clear structure to get you back to like you know that this verse is going to only go on for another three lines before we get back right. to to where we started and there is something about the freedom of a music theater song to have a couple of bridges if you want to define them to sort of like take take walks and and he's really the king of that it is also though the thing that i think i wonder if you reacted the same way i did when i saw that they were doing a falsetto sing-along on tv whenever that was or then during the oh, pandemic oh you're right and yes, i was just I like about that i love falsettos i know every single word of that show i couldn't sing along to that 
Like, I wouldn't want to. No, I'm like, good luck. Good luck, y'all. I'll pop in here and there. I'll take a verse if I'm breaking down. But, you know. Well, what's so interesting about that, too, you know, the... um, uh, I know every word of that Falsettos album. Um, Mm -hmm. And when I, you know, when we finally got this full version of the score with the revival album, you know, Mm -hmm. with so much uh, that was not on the initial album, I was like, this is weird now. Like, I'm not used to like this extra like bridge part in four Jews in a room bitching, you know, like, no, give it back to like, give me those like old fast tempos on cocaine, you know? (laughs) Um, So, yeah. And, and like uh, 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 the, the expanded orchestrations on the original album are so, so fantastic mm-hmm. and i will never forgive lincoln center for not paying for more than a four-piece band for that revival but you know yeah that's a that's a larger conversation <laughs> so actually i guess it's probably a good part just for people who made because this is not a this is an album like i say i was aware of but i didn't have and it was excited mm-hmm. to get it and dig into it but can you t- give sort of the basic for the audience who may not know what infinite joy kind of is infinite joy is a concert recorded live at joe's pub i mean it's it's not even a review or a song cycle it's fully a concert i'm not Mm. sure if it was even more than one performance um but it's just william finn sort of uh, in 2001 after a new brain and after falsettos and after all these big hit shows of his um and all of his friends sort of coming together to uh sing his songs in concerts i mean you have mary testa and you have liz calloway and you have carolee carmelo and you know uh uh uh, uh who else lewis cleal it's Steven i mean rosa yeah yes yeah, rosa oh my lewis, god and then yeah. uh the the backup singer uh farah alvin is one of the backup singers it's i mean it's it's a really really great group um and obviously oh oh oh, oh wanda houston sings mm, on it yes. as well yes she does um, and uh um, i will always uh <laughs> anytime i listen to the music still plays on uh, on any recording any concert i always think about it um based on his intro of wanda houston where he says tonight ah. is the last night you you will be able to say you don't know wanda houston <laughs> wanda houston everyone right so even if it's just like some random twink at 54 below singing the music still plays on i'm like wanda houston, <laughs> wanda everyone. houston everybody you know? yeah <laughs> Mm. Yeah, I would say she and probably Mary Testa make the biggest impressions on this album. Right, right. Well, her Set Those Sails is incredible and uh, her All Fall Down. I mean, that's like one of the songs mm-hmm. and they're off and All Fall Down are like the two songs that I think like I wanted to write more than anything when I was growing up. Like just these and they're like weird songs that I like have no reason, you know, for a 16 year old kid mm-hmm. to want to write songs like about like, you know, horse gambling and you know jumping out of windows during the great depression but mm-hmm. william finn has that way where you know uh, he makes them sound like uh you know 1990s uh, manhattanites just sort of singing about their feelings with really great melodies um in in a way that for one reason or another appealed to me when i was growing up what is it about songwriting that grabbed you even at such a young age that you knew that's what you wanted to do yeah, I um so I was a, a child actor um growing well I I that makes it sound like I booked things. I didn't book things, but <laughs> you went on auditions. <laughs> I went on like every young gay boy in the tri-state area. My mother took me to the open calls for the Disney on Broadway shows. Thank you very much. Sure. Still bitter I never booked the Lion King. Um, but um <laughs> But but my, you know, but I would do these, you know, regional and community theater uh, productions. And my favorite Mm -hmm. day of rehearsal was always uh, the first day of rehearsal when you would get the sort of hardbound copy of the script. Right. And Mm -hmm. I would just love, you know, leafing through this physical manifestation of what the show was going to be. And uh, and and, you know, I knew from a very young age, I was like, I want to make these. I want to make the scripts Mm -hmm. like I want people to like look through what I'm doing and then what what I'm thinking and then do it on stage. Um, So I started writing musicals at a very young age when I was maybe eight or nine. Um, I didn't know how to write sheet music at the time. Um, So I would just have, you know, the songs in my head. Um, And um, yeah, and I, I. was very lucky. I, I went to a public school, but it was a public school with a great arts program um, and a theater program that was really writing heavy. Um, and uh, I had a fantastic uh, theater teacher who uh, supported my musical theater writing and sort of uh, would send me opportunities and different things to send my writing out to. And and basically, you know, allowed me to believe that 
being a musical theater writer was like a valid career choice, you know? Mm -hmm. I don't know if I agree with that, but you know, she, she was very kind. Um, <laughs> so, so yeah, you know, and, and I would just sort of like write these musicals from a very young age and have my friends sing the songs and stuff in concerts and in high school. And, you know, um, I, I, I wrote this musical called balloon boy back in the day, which mm -hmm. was loosely based on the balloon boy news story from 2009, where a father said his son was stuck in a homemade weather balloon in Colorado and all that followed. Um, and, you know, and, and I was just lucky enough to have these like weird friends who would just like want to do my shows, you know, and, and sing these weird songs from balloon boy, um, for the, the hot dog community. Um, so I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm very fortunate that I, I had that support system early on to, to sort of say that, yeah, like you have like a little spark of talent, like you should continue working on that, you know? Um, yeah. And then you studied that like up through. Yeah. So I, I studied playwriting at Fordham, uh, okay. University at Lincoln Center, um, which, you know, it, it's, uh, I went there because I was able to get three full shows out of it. Um, mm. And uh and they said, like, look, we're not a musical theater program, but if you can find some kids in the program who can sing, like, you can write musicals. So I did. I, I you know, I found my sort of tribe and, and my folks who could sort of carry a tune, you know, I mean, like, in a sort of Glynis Johns and a little night music way, mind you, but like, you know, yeah. yeah, exactly, right. exactly. <laughs> but, but, you know, I, I, uh, that's sort of what satiated me while I was at school. And, you know, I was writing these weird, like, over the top musicals um, in this, like, very, like, brooding arts program where we're doing like you know audrey and kennedy you know one night and then like this weird stupid musical about like a family of televangelists by billy reese the next night you know so so you know i'm i'm thankful that in my career i've been able to find a tribe um and that's sort of what i tell any young writer is like find people who like want to sing your music and um capitalize off of that you know i wonder and how that's and that's what you know why this album too appealed to me because it's it's his side you know mm -hmm. um it's it's so clearly people that he has this relationship with um who love singing his material in front of people who love hearing the material and that's all you can ask for as a writer yeah it is really this album has a great camaraderie to it mm. that mm -hmm. gets you through some of the i mean the the, the bill finn numbers are the one where he is singing are definitely the ones where you're kind of like you're yeah, getting by on his charm Right. <laughs> but that was kind of fun is that it feels yeah. like a bunch of weirdos sitting on the porch like just doing karaoke exactly you know? yeah um yeah and and because of that it feels like you're a part of it too as an audience member as a the, the limited sort of dialogue sequences we have really help that of the like mm -hmm. that everybody likes him and he lets them kind of make fun of him and make fun of and he makes fun of them and they exactly. uh they just kind of go crazy with it it really feels like okay this is this is just it is the, the stakes are very very low and so like listening to him with like no voice perform stupid things i want to right right <laughs> exactly like very truly, well true yeah. well truly exactly yeah. and that song was a, uh written for elaine stretch for yes. the royal family of broadway so you know it's not like that song was written for a great voice so <laughs> god bless you know a lot of, yeah a lot of clip a lot, a lot of phrases a lot of, exactly. a lot of phrases and, and pauses for laughter exactly <laughs> exactly. exactly but it's like it's like what you're saying it feels very much to me like a cocktail party at like Adolph Green's house in like 1958, you know, sure, like sure. that's the joy of it. And that is like quintessential musical theater to me is mm -hmm. not so much like the multi-million dollar Broadway production, but like the friends that you make along the way singing around your upright piano at your apartment after the show. So what were like some of the moments when you were re-listening to it that you went oh that's something that really stuck out to me or that's something that, that you know that you maybe rediscovered as you were re-listening to this after a long long hiatus well one i will say i think the reason it is such a fantastic album is the sound mixing is mm. incredible oh, yeah. it's impeccable yeah it's impeccable it's impeccable and you know there's a simplicity to it because it is just piano but like you would think it was recorded in a studio like mm. it is just so gorgeous um, how Marvin eats his breakfast, incredible, incredible. I mean, that's that's like another song that like had a deep impact on me when I was a kid. For like, who knows why? Like, what are they singing about in that song? Those lyrics are insane. Like, have you seen her milk the cow? Like, what are yeah. you talking about? You know, that girl can't cook. 
Maybe she can cook, but have you seen her milk a cow? And I can read her like a book. Margaret wouldn't read that kind of novel like a I need my breakfast now. People, 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 stop your staring. Stop your staring. People, people, stop your staring. Can't you see my breakfast isn't made people, yet? Can't you my breakfast is alive. Is lonely life is rotten and thankfully short. Thankfully short. Thankfully short. Like Marvin. Everybody in the kitchen. Here comes. It is. It's wild. And again, it's. <laughs> It's like the kind of thing where like William Finn always feels like he's writing on a deadline, right? Like mm-hmm. he's just like, I gotta get this shit done. Like, right. I don't know, I'll finish these lyrics later, you know? Right. And that's like the quintessential thing. Like he's like, this song is gonna be fast and the lyrics are gonna be super smart, but I'll finish those later, you know? Right. Just and a lot the- of placeholders. The, and the In Trousers album is so, I mean, I, oh, that's man. an album that we could talk, you know, oh, my God. forever about. Um, but particularly like those tempos are pushed even faster on that album mm-hmm. because it was on a vinyl, right? So they right. had to speed up all the tempos. I mean, the original falsetto, March of the Falsettos album is a lot like that too. So you do have that like insane, like cocaine speed on mm-hmm. like, please come to our house, you know? Yeah. Um, but, um, but again, that's, it's so cool to hear sort of the full like 12 piece band play how, how Marvin eats his breakfast on in trousers and then hear the sort of this, uh, you know, small reducted piano version on this album, mm-hmm. and it still works. You mm-hmm. know, it still works. Um, yeah. So, so that one was a lovely one to revisit. I mean, anytime, <laughs> anytime does not get better. Um, sure. It's Norm Lewis. You know, incredible. Yeah. Um, and um, and then uh, 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 Mary Tessa doing "Set Those Sails" was another one where I was just like, Jesus, mm. man! Like, and that song is nothing but a hook. There is, there is nothing else in that song. And by the end of it, you're weeping because the hook is just that good, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's also like one of those songs where it's like, I really don't know what these lyrics mean. Like, and it's fine. I don't care. You know, (laughs) I, it truly is just the power of an incredible singer, uh, an incredible piano player and uh, a couple incredible notes just coming together. I mean, that, that's infinite joy to me. Babe. Oh, there you go. Mm. <laughs> Bring it around to the title. Ooh. So when you're writing, do you need, I mean, the, 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 the main reference I have to, to, to songwriting and, and, and the few times that I've done it is mm. under the Stephen Sondheim model, meaning mm. that <laughs> as, I invoke, Ready. as I invoke his holiness, um, <laughs> But in the sense that, like, I, I can't write a song without a without a dramatic, um, without a dramatic scenario in which to place it. That's sure. how I know how to put a song together. So, mm-hmm. what? But you have written, obviously, seems to me both. You've written songs, you know, for large theatrical pieces, and then you have your your album, which has other songs in it. Do you do you write? Do you need a scenario or do you write, do you find yourself just writing songs? What is your like songwriting process? Yeah. Well, it, it, it depends on the assignment. You know, I, I certainly am a writer who likes really high stakes um, on really weird characters, mm-hmm. um, characters who normally would not be the leads of their own shows, you know, or, you know, have one great song in the second act that you know completely stops the show and then that's it right Mm -hmm. so i like taking that character and giving them their two and a half you know hour long uh, journey and you know that's why a character like a heidi fleiss who is so colorful and so interesting and just so off the wall is is somebody that i really want to not just as a writer but as an audience member want to spend 90 minutes with um because there are stakes there there's a history there and there's a rich character there. Um, and of course, in rich character and rich history, um, there is also sort of a, 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 a musical roadmap that you can sort of take with that. You know, like like with a Heidi Fleiss, I'm like, okay, this woman, you know, has seen some dish and was at the top of her game, you know, in the 90s. So like, let's, you know, lean into the shit that she's seen, the sort of bitterness that she has, the sort of stakes of her life and sort of imbue it with a sort of 90s punk rock vibe. Um, so, um, you know, I'm, I'm uh, I think again, it, it all, short answer, it all depends on the assignment. Um, you know, something like 
Perks of Being a Snowflake, which is my solo album, which is all sort of satirical songs that are sort of commenting on one thing in the news or or whatever. I mean, uh, at the end of the day, it, it all sort of starts with the character who has something to say and mm. who needs to say it or else they'll die. You know, like they just the, the stakes are that high. Mm hmm. So it is for you, but when you write even one-off songs, you're always writing from a character. There's 100%. a character you have in, in mind. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, I'm not somebody who is like particularly interested in writing like your basic like love song or like your song that can sort of exist on its own. Um, I, I mean, I if it's a great song, I love listening to it. I don't think I have the ability to do that though. Um, I, I think just because of the nature of how I grew up, learning how to write songs, you know, by listening to like infinite joy and falsettos. Um, and like, like a hero of mine is like Randy Newman, who, who does mm -hmm. that sort of same thing, right? Like, mm -hmm. he, he doesn't really know how to write a love song. Like he writes for like weird characters, you know, right? Or, or like Tom Lehrer, like all these like random, like weird, mm. idiosyncratic, like old white guys at the piano was like, that was my school of songwriting, you know? So, so if it's not something that they taught me how to write, I don't know if I'll ever be able to write it either. <laughs> you know <laughs> I, like a, I like a good tom lehrer reference we could of course we, yeah, of we could have done tom foolery come oh, on oh there you go great that album works. another great That's live great. album all yes i mean all his albums are you know i don't know how many made. Oh, it, it didn't make very many but uh no they're, but they're, but the ones that are there are excellent oh absolutely you know and 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 i'm definitely somebody who is interested in sort of uh lambasting tropes like that you mm -hmm. know especially in musical theater where everyone is just so self-important you know um i i think we does we have to make fun of ourselves in unexpected ways every now and then you know i genuinely um, make fun of ourselves though i think that right. like there is a lot of quasi making fun of ourselves that music theater performers are comfortable doing like a right. like oh i'm so wacky you know that kind of thing or like oh of course i did like so i moved right. to new york because you you know whatever like and i've got a cat you know right. and it's like now I've, I've heard this story a trillion times you know mm -hmm. and it it is we have to genuinely look at what we do and go this is absurd Utterly but absurd. i love it but i love every second of it yeah. oh sure there is i love musicals so much so 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 much i love actors i love broadway but it is utterly insane that people pay sixty thousand dollars a year to <laughs> learn how to do broadway what is that broadway is a made up it's not real it's right. not real right we love it though you know um yeah no i mean it's it's just about sort of erasing the mystique right and the self-importance mm -hmm. We do and you know understand that like the world will keep turning if you know one of us is not an actor right you know like that's sort of what going to finance is right <laughs> it's just like woman who on her deathbed is like do not be an actor like mm -hmm. you are not that good in fifth grade my school thought that it would be cool to do a production of hair. So I took off my clothes and did three sold-out shows. At each one, my grandma was there. And after each show, she would throw a bouquet and I'd catch with a smile as I heard grandma say, Go in to finance. Go into real estate. I hate to be bitchy, but your solo was pitchy, and you came in like four measures late. Go into finance. Now is the time you should know. If you so much as try, then it won't even fly in a royal Caribbean show. I mean, I think 
that is why I'm so fascinated by character and specifically these like weird characters who are so different than me is because like, whatever, at the end of the day, I don't think my story is particularly interesting. I'm not going to write a bio musical about myself, but like, you know, what am I interested in? I'm interested in sort of turning a spotlight on people who do have a story, right? And sort of, you know, using any whatever small skill set that I have in in allowing that character to tell the story in an interesting way, you know, in a way that sort of makes people sit up and listen and uh, maybe changes the world. Who knows, you know? Well, and but define like def- also defining what that means. Like, what does changing the world means? Because the the stakes. I like that you said that your songs, you like your songs to have incredibly high stakes. They're incredibly mm-hmm. high for the character. Mm-hmm. The character stakes are incredibly high. Right. They're not incredibly high in the Avengers Endgame sense of the word. You know, like they're not always. No, not always. But that's but that's often what like I think some musicals really try to do. And it mm-hmm. is like if our love story does not come true, the world is not worth living in. And it's like, well, hang on right. for a second there, gang. Like. Right. You're, two, you're two idiots on top right. of an opera house. Settle down, would you please, for a second? Yeah. Sure. Sure, sure. It's These cold up here. Kids. What are you doing up here? Yeah. <laughs> you're supposed to be on stage right now. Exactly. Come on. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, I think, look, I think there is nothing wrong. I'm someone who subscribes to the fact that there is nothing wrong with just putting on an enjoyable evening, right? And I mm-hmm. think simply by presenting a fun musical, I think there is still something inherently political in that. You know, um, and uh, because it 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 shows audiences right that you know uh, joy is enough sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and and if 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 you allow you know us as humans the room to feel joy and to feel energized and to feel happy for two hours, then that gives us the energy to go off and change the world in other ways. You know, when we're not sitting here and and watching a musical because we have that room to refresh and and uh yeah feel okay for once i i really like that approach and i think it comes through um we've forestalled long enough let's talk about little black book a little bit uh <laughs> but the uh i i think that one of the things that that really drew me to to little black book mm-hmm. oh more than once was this real sense of i mean a story that i was vaguely familiar with obviously mm-hmm. that like when i was in i think i was in high school when when heidi fleiss was arrested and mm. so it was right at that prime time to be like ooh, you know the scintillation right, delicious it was mm. lovely yeah and mm. um but then also this sort of this sense of this incredible sense of character an incredible sense of what makes mm. a person how do you like how do you go from here to there and what and why is he, like mm. where where she ended up when she was her most famous why is she so mm. famous like what is the what is the problem here because she really was somebody nobody knew until everybody knew who she was right. because you know if you right. weren't in the know you didn't know who she was so right I guess my first question would be in the sort of the specifics of that. What was it about Heidi Fleiss specifically? Mm. Because I get the, the, the overall, what you look for in a character, I think to focus on, I think she yeah. fits into that, but what is it about what made you dig into her for, you know, an entire album's worth of, uh, of show? Yeah. Well, look, I've, I've always been a writer who is inspired by three dimensionalizing characters whom society has two dimensionalized, particularly in the tabloids. Right. That's sort Mm -hmm. of always been what I'm interested in. Um, And I think Heidi Fleiss um, is a woman who was punished and vilified. Yes, she did something illegal, but would she have gotten the press and the attention were she not a woman, right? Mm. Were she not a young, ambitious woman mm-hmm. um, with an incredible business savvy and sense of business acumen and a woman who made sex workers feel pride in what they were doing. That was what was really revolutionary about Miss Heidi Fleiss was that she was by all accounts a good boss to these girls um, and put these girls through college and again, allow them to feel pride in what they were doing, you know? And I think, uh, quite frankly, I mean, Little Black Book, I, I really want to just destigmatize sex work with it. Um, 
And uh, there is something inherently political in just sort of allowing a sex worker to stand center stage for 90 minutes and tell her story. Um, and look, I think Heidi Fleiss, um, there was so much money to be made by oh tearing her down. Um, and, um, and she is aware of that. And um, I think, you know, uh, we are sort of, as a society, sort of um, uh, recontextualizing these sort of 90s villainesses from the tabloids, the Monica Lewinsky's, the Tanya Harding's, the Lorena Bobbitt's, the Marsha Clark's. And um, I think Heidi Fleiss is, is a woman for several reasons that sort of deserves that 2021 uh, relook. She, it, and it is a, I, what I, I really appreciate it is it isn't quirky. Mm. You know, like there's a way, and it's actually even more impressive, I think, looking at, uh, looking at your other work mm. in the sense that it, it has your sensibility to it. Absolutely. Mm. But there's a lot of great, there's a lot of easy jokes Thanks. to make about Heidi Fleiss and everything she did. And there's mm. a lot of jokes in the show. Don't get me wrong, mm. folks. It's, it's really funny <laughs> in certain, certain parts, but it is always, it's not the, the, the jokes aren't cheap. Yeah. The jokes are well earned within the character and her motivation i mean right from the beginning with um my much 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 older uh boyfriend mm -hmm. it, mm -hmm. it is is a song like that's a good joke that's a like basic music theater joke of a song mm -hmm. yeah but it is earned because it's heidi's point of view right. that is revealing that not just simply like isn't this hilarious that this much older man is going out with this much younger woman very cognizant of um, the fact that I did not as a writer want to judge this woman at all. I wanted to allow her to tell her story, um, you know, because it is a real woman. And I knew eventually this would be a woman that I as a writer might be dealing with. And, you know, since the album has come out, I have, you know, had several conversations with Heidi, who is very supportive of the show. And it's been incredible. Um, but because of that, I knew I needed to tell Heidi's story, not my version of Heidi's mm -hmm. story. Mm -hmm. you know? And sure. Heidi is a very funny person. She's a very acerbic, you know, uh, uh, sort of misanthropic uh, uh, comedic sensibility that I adore. Um, and, you know, uh, she's she's great to listen to and great to talk to. But again, at the end of the day, she's a real person, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, she did, she did really like older men. And, you know, I'm not here to kink shame Heidi Fleiss. You know, th th there's no sense in running from the fact that like Heidi Fleiss yeah. was a late night talk show joke for many sure. years. Sure, and, and that's so why she's interesting. Yeah, right. But that's the thing is, I like that you don't run away from it and you don't defend it. You just run right at it. And since you run at it, you run through it. And now right. we're on the other side, and we're able to have all these the the excellent questions of like, yeah, how did she end up mm. like this how did she get where like how did this all happen how did you know the the details right. of it get lost as you say in the two-dimensionality of the right. tabloiding of somebody yeah. well it, it's it's exact i mean look i i believe you know especially in a show like this lead with the funny and then that'll allow you to break you know break the audience's heart at mm -hmm. the end right i mean a, a big sort of inspiration for this piece was Monica Lewinsky's TED talk from several years ago. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've seen it, but yes, um, yes. yeah, but it's wonderful. And it's so funny too, you know, because she knows exactly who she is and she allows us as an audience to revel in that and to remember quite frankly, why we enjoyed laughing at that story early on mm -hmm. and then to sort of flip the switch and say, all right, but here's why, you know, here's what we can learn from that and, mm -hmm. and why that was, you know, a, a bad situation. Um, but, you know, look, I mean, like I said, Heidi Fleiss is a very funny person and she's great. I mean, she has 40 parrots. Like you can't <laughs> run from that, you know, like you have to like revel in that sure. ridiculousness 
But then, you know, the, the fun challenge of that as a writer and as an audience, you know, is, is to sort of peel that layer back, right? And to understand, you know, the, the humanity in that. And you absolutely, I mean, you absolutely get there. I've, I've talked about Thank it you. on the show before, but like if, if this point, folks, if you're not listening and if you're listening and you don't have Little Black Book, I don't know what you're even doing. Because <laughs> uh, I, I think I've been effusive. Uh, <laughs> down to the fact that like summer in Nevada might be my summer jam. So that's, ah, uh, yeah. Thank you. Met a woman in Nevada. She was scared and she was shy. Knew her interesting tone to end the show on i'm really really like it really i i i feel like i walk away from the the album not like not in suspension it doesn't leave me on a lurch but mm. it also doesn't let me just sort of like it doesn't close for right me. it's like right and it, it's really is the thing that makes me go like okay well i'm just gonna start over again like that's yeah fine. i'll just i'll just kick it back up to the top yeah. and but it is like if it was the end of a show, like if it was the theatrical evening, it's such a rousing number that I would like I'd get up and get out. Yeah. And then in the street be like, wow, I'm not done. You yeah. know, it, you, you don't close the door completely. So the audience is still thinking, I think, as it as it processes it. Well, that the, I mean, the reason for that is that this is a show, you know, the, the basic construct of Little Black Book, you know, when it is on stage will be about. A, a sort of down on her luck Heidi Fleiss who gets an offer for millions of dollars to give the names uh, to publish the names of the men in her little black book and her sort of debating whether or not she should do this right and in this journey um, of her you know retracing her steps she discovers that she has allowed herself to be trapped in uh, the the frame of the Hollywood madam of what the mm -hmm. tabloid said about her you know mm -hmm. of 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 who she was and not who she's going to be. And Summer Nevada is this sort of reckoning that, you know, uh, one day it, it will rain in Nevada, right? It, I, I will be able to move past this. I will be this phoenix rising from the ashes and I will be able to start anew. And look, maybe that's the sequel to, to Little Black Book where we see what happens when Heidi Fleiss, you know, uh, decides right. to move on from, from her past. Um, but I really appreciate that that song sort of leaves you wanting more because um, that is that yeah. the goal. It, it really, really does. So what is, let's, let's talk about that for a second. As a stage presentation, I mean, this is a concept album, obviously. Yeah. Um, it is, but is a is it a one performer show in your, you know, yeah, so, summation? So what it is, I mean, it's sort of Hedwig meets Six meets Anna Nicole mm. Smith, the opera, right? So nice. it, it is um, one Heidi Fleiss and three backup girls um, sort of playing the roles of, you know, Madame Alex and, you know, some other voices in her life and the voices of her birds. Um, and the entire thing is structured as a rock concert um, as sung by Heidi Fleiss, um, mm -hmm. her sort of leading her story, um, standing in front of a mic. Um, and um, yeah, I mean, look, I, what I love about it is that it is a fantastic vehicle uh, for a woman of a certain age, uh, an mm -hmm. actress of a certain age, right, um, to literally command the stage uh, for 90 minutes um, when there are so few shows like that that really allow, you know, a kick-ass 50-year-old woman uh, to stand center stage and, you know, tell a story um, on her own terms. So, yeah. That isn't about, you know, isn't Mad Woman of Central Park, like is a is an interesting you know mm -hmm. developed character i think that that's a really key to that like that it, thank you this is something that that somebody would love to do i'm sure in that capacity fingers crossed fingers oh crossed. yeah 
Well, and it's good. I mean, like as the 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 limited press I saw, it, it does seem like that uh, the real life Heidi is is down. So that's yeah. very lucky. What at what? Okay, so, as personal curiosity, at what point did that conversation start happening? Oh man, it is so interesting. It it we had been trying to make it happen for quite some time, um, and for one reason or another, just never really connected. And you know, I mean. She's a public figure, you know, mm-hmm. her life exists in the public record. We're you know, completely allowed to tell her story. Right. Um, but um, I think once the Hollywood, the Hollywood Reporter was going to do a story um, and um, a story from the Hollywood Reporter from two and a half years ago was sort of the uh, uh, the inspiration for this show. Mm-hmm. Um, so they had already had Heidi's contact and they reached out to her. Um, and I think that sort of made her realize maybe I should reach out to these writers like this kind of seems cool what they're doing you know um Mm -hmm. and since then we've been in contact and it has been really delightful getting to know her I mean I I have told several people that it feels like if Lin-Manuel Miranda got to speak with Alexander Hamilton you know so Mm -hmm. you know and he's dead so thank god Heidi's alive famously spoilers but famously yeah yeah, exactly exactly (laughs) But, but yeah so so it's it's been really cool you know that's really lucky and that's really great that she's not like suing you you know because it's not not that she not that she'd have grounds but you know what i mean like oh well i i have gotten cease and desist from people i've written musicals about so you know really yeah in college i wrote a musical um called the charlatans about a family of televangelists uh the crouch family uh do i don't know if you know yes yes Yes. sort of the the poor man's tammy faye baker right yes um and they're all dead but their estate for one reason or another found out about this show I was doing in a black box theater at Fordham university and sent a cease and desist four days before opening. And I was thrilled. Yeah. I was thrilled. I tell you that 20 is... years old with a cease and desist from a family of right. dead televangelists. That's why I do what I do. Did you do the show? Yeah. We changed the names though. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We were advised by Fordham's lawyers to change right to change the names. You you said a minute ago that you don't you don't write about your own life mm-hmm. ostensibly, right? Yeah. However, Bill Finn, mm-hmm. our, our subject for this evening, ostensibly, yeah. <laughs> uh, almost exclusively writes about his own. I think with with the exception of twenty fifth annual Putnam County Spelling Bee, mm-hmm. which is like his most. I, probably now most famous well Fasado's had a good revival but like most famous and and most like middle of the road show he ever wrote yeah his shows are especially new brain mm-hmm. intensely autobiographical yeah. um and i i wonder so it's interesting to me that you would have someone like him as a huge influence on you and you didn't take it you didn't even take it upon yourself to say like well this is something i do i'll write musical like he does i'll write shows about yeah you know, as we always imitate our heroes at the beginning. Right. Was that well, just a conscious choice from the jump that you're like, I'm, I'm not going to write about me? Bill Finn is far more interesting than I am. You know, I mean, you you just listen to Mr. Make Me a Song and Stupid Things I Won't Do. And I mean, it's like you're saying, I'm like, he's a character, you know, mm-hmm. I would write a musical about Bill Finn, you know, That'd be good. Um, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's the jukebox musical we need. There it um, is. I mean, look, I'm sure at some point something might happen in my life that that I will feel the need to musicalize. Um, but uh, but as it stands now, I'm sort of content um, writing about other characters, you know, and, and sort of finding myself in those characters, I, mm-hmm. I should say, you know, mm-hmm. um, I think that's what that's what, what any great character is, even if it is the most different character um, from you is finding the thing that makes them human, finding the thing that you have in common with them and sort of uh, treating them uh, empathetically. Uh, and that's what sort of excites me as a writer. Mm. So, I mean, I find his, the level of his autobiographicalness, mm. it's not quite, I mean, maybe it's because I was raised Catholic. It's not quite embarrassing, but it mm. is like, it's painfully intimate. Right. There, there well, are, you yeah. know, which is mm-hmm. so, especially on this album, a song that, I mean, I'm not, I wasn't shocked exactly, but like mm-hmm. Republicans, right. which is a song that's 20 years old at this point, is, right, right. is like, it, it's especially because it's him singing. Shockingly <laughs> it, intimate. Exactly. Shockingly intimate. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Right. Or like the last like 15 minutes of a new brain where you're like, did I miss something? Like, am I like not like what's going on? Like, did I was I supposed to like read a pamphlet before this? You know, like, but that's what that's what sort of makes you lean the fuck in, though, you know, mm-hmm. and, and sit on the edge of your seat. Right. Because it feels dangerous. You know, it, it feels like a character who has never told their story before is finally getting the chance to tell their story. Those are the, that's the stakes to Republicans, right? Like mm-hmm. you can sort of feel that like edgy sort of like, I'll, like yeah, this is going to be embarrassing. But if I don't tell this story, like I will drop dead. Like you need to hear about this time. Like I was sleeping with a Republican. So I went to bed with a Republican, and he didn't perspire. He said, as we're undressing. He admires Richard Nixon. And I said, are you a Republican? And he just laughed and I said, bitch. Like a bit of humanity, like you need to, you know? And he clearly, like we said before, I mean, tying it a little bit into the structure, like how his songs feel structuralist, but they're actually tremendously structured. Yeah. Is he knows exactly when that song is over. Yeah, he he knows what the the whole song is basically a, one joke, and he's right. so good at denying the. Uh, if you sit there through that whole song, being like, "Where is this going? What in the right. world?" Dude? And then he hits the joke, and he's done. He's like, "That's right. it." Well, well, yeah. it's like a rule that you learn in like improv classes, right? Is that mm-hmm. the scene is over when you get the best reaction from the audience? Like, right. do not keep going. You yeah. know, and and again, I mean, it, it, may, it certainly makes something I've never thought about for him, but it certainly makes sense because his songs do feel so sort of improvised. Right. Mm-hmm. Is that, like you're saying, he knows exactly when it's over, get the biggest response from the crowd and call it a day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And really, it is it is so interesting to me that he is. I feel like he's, he's actually connecting more. I think a lot of this has to do probably with the falsettos revival, mm-hmm. but I hear a lot more younger performers talking about about bill finn then like i mean i when i was coming up was when community theaters were still doing march of the falsettos and falsetto land separately mm. like they were one act music they were being oh, put wow. on and mm. that's what you read people's bios and it was always so great like they would, they would have done both shows you know like they right. would have always done both shows right and right. it's still be in everybody's bio you know people were doing that yeah. so i knew him as this like as falsettos basically and and then and then these these reviews that people would sing songs from his and they'd say, oh, what's that? Oh, that's, you know, that's a Bill Finn song. Mm-hmm. But he sort of drifted away for, for people for a while, I think. And then now seems to have resurged in a serious way. And there's this whole body of work that people yeah. have. And there was also the New Brain revival that Encores did. Right. Right. Many years ago that was. Um which also kicked that show kind of into a new, the most like unnecessary two disc album I've ever listened to in my life in a lot of ways, because the first oh, it's massive. Oh my it's, God. It's too big. It's, it's huge. too much. It's huge. I don't need all this incidental crap. I mean, it's, it's the, so this is actually, let me ask you about this. This mm-hmm. is a thing, a, a thing that I find as somebody who grew up on cast albums that were, I mean, they were on tape and CD, but they were transfers from LPs. I mean, they were recorded to be on LPs. So I grew up with condensed, fast tempos, none of the reprises, you know what I mean? Like songs edited together to craft an album. Yeah. And I find that now, even like as of 10 years ago, Mm -hmm. this, this ability to put all the music at the temp, like original yeah, tempo, it, out. it tends to make worse albums. Yes, it does. It absolutely makes worse albums, especially with a lot of these like revival albums where like you are including like dialogue in between every track, you know. And it's like we really, we really don't need that, you know. Like save a little for the imagination. Um, and I completely hear that too because, like, again, those those were the the albums that I grew up on. Like I, you know, I didn't just learn about falsettos through the revival. Like Mm -hmm. I grew up loving falsettos because of the like, you know, incredibly fast four Jews in a room bitching at the top, you know, like that's that's how I came to love it, you know? So, I mean, I think the thing is uh, when you're making a cast album, it is a different assignment, right? Yeah. 
I mean, like even with like, you know, Little Black Book, like this as a concept album is a different assignment than like what the show's cast album will be one day. You know, mm-hmm. I was very cognizant going into that, the sort of sense of like, I'm we're not making a cast album. Like, let's make this just like the best concept album that we can, you know, let's mm-hmm. arrange these songs differently than they will be arranged in the show. Let's get 14 women to sing the, you know, lead role instead of one woman. Um, let's, you know, cut some of the, the, the extra stuff that might be on the cast album one day um, and, and get people excited about it that way. It's, it's just a different assignment, you mm-hmm. know? It's a hundred percent true. And it, 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 I think is one of the reasons that album specifically is so successful for me is that it really feels like it's, it's a crafted album. It is not like I wrote these songs for the show. Mm-hmm. You're going to go perform these songs for the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then like, we'll put it out there, which is more like a demo album. Like that's more of a, like, you know, not a con like a concept album to me, the best ones are Mm. complete bodies of work. They are fully realized things Mm. that, you know, because one of my favorite versions of the Evita score is the concept album for Evita. Absolutely. That album does not work as a show. In, no. in any sense nor does jesus christ superstar right there but it's an excellent concept it's an excellent album and i that's like that's what i go back and and listen to most of the time it is you know and it has weird the funniest thing about concept albums to me are always and i don't think little black book does this but there's like a, both those android weber albums there's like instrumental breaks for the like rock and roll section sometimes yeah yeah and you're just like it's not like guys you know like you can't do it i always remember like listening to it being like during the sax solo in um uh damned for all time on superstar i'm just like what is happening on stage like they're not dancing (laughs) it's 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 the priests and judas like what are they gonna break into a little like you know quick step right well what i love is that it's a great album it's a great album and i love that like angela weber is like no but like you can't get rid of that like dance break on this like find something to do there not my problem but find something to do. Yeah. So how do you, as somebody who is, I mean, you're, cause you're in the mix. <laughs> you're, you're up there and you're up there, you know, oh, hustling, goodness. hustling and doing the thing. You put out a concept album for a show, you know, but, so you're, to. you're in the mix. How do you, how do you, oh gosh, how do I phrase this question? So it's not like the largest question in the world, <laughs> but like, so how do you, how do you view the landscape? Do you, do you look at, and obviously we're coming out of the pandemic. This question is impossible to answer in a realistic sense. So I guess the, the better, the best question probably is what is your hope kind of going forward for the future of Broadway or New York theater, however you want to phrase mm-hmm. it. And then your space in it. Yeah. Well, for one, um, uh, there's a few answers to that. I think, um, we will be entering a golden age of musical comedy after this. I really Mm. hope so. I think all that people are going to want to do after this, you know, horrible emotional year is just laugh and feel good at the theater and forget their troubles. Um, And I really look forward to that. Um, I'm, I'm all about message theater, um, but I, I much prefer it, you know, in a package that we're allowed to have fun with it too, you know? Mm -hmm. Sure. Um, And then outside of that, I, I'm just so tired of the made by committee sort of, you know, assembly line Broadway musical, right? Where it's just too many cooks in the kitchen, just creating this thing, uh, this brand. And I don't want that. I mean, I want musicals that for better or for worse, you know, it might mean that they're messy. It might mean that they're a new brain and you don't understand what's going on, but it is so clearly one person's vision, right? Mm -hmm. One or two writers vision, you know, uh, those are the the kind of musicals that I think, you know, in a year when we're all sort of just like stuck with ourselves. Right. And that's all we have, you know, to get by is just our own point of view. I think it is going to be so much more rewarding to spend 90 minutes to two hours with another person's point of view, you know, a, a full unvarnished point of view in the theater, as opposed to this sort of, kind of musical where it's just trying to appeal to everyone mm-hmm. you know um so that's what i'm hoping for you know i uh, i think i have you know others might agree who who listen might disagree who listen to, to my stuff but i think i have found what i do well and what i like to do you know i and what sort of sets me apart 
from other writers. Um, and I hope that a lot of musical theater writers are instead of trying to um, write the, you know, not lowest common denominator, but, you know, write the thing that appeals to everybody, primarily write the things that appeal to themselves first and foremost, you know, and find the audiences from that. Um, and um, yeah, so I'm just going to sort of continue doing what I do. Right. And, um, and hope that the, the right people listen and come to it. I mean, there's nothing else you can do like that. Exactly. The whole thing. (laughs) It's literally the whole thing. That's great. That's well, I, 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 I hope nothing but the best for you in those. Yeah. Cause as I say, you, you have at least come, come through with one more fan out of all this and, uh, and I'll take it. So I'll you know, take it. Exactly. I'll megaphone that all day long. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you know this about me. I have a podcast. Oh, um, shucks. Oh, is that what's on right now? God bless. Nobody has one of those. Only fan. Amen. Yeah. No, oh, my goodness. Right. That God explains bless. what you're wearing. There, there's a little exactly, something for yes. the Patreon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. Hard crashing for a second back into Infinite Joy. I did want to ask, what is your favorite song on this album? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, that's so hard. Um, I would probably say the one that I come back to every time. I think it's probably the best recording of this song. Probably the best song he's written um, is Anytime. I think it, mm. uh, you know, that that was a song that like, as I'm sure it has for many people, has gotten me through like some rough times, you know, after some tremendous loss. And mm-hmm. um you know, I think that is the most that someone can hope to do with uh, when they're writing a song is is um, get somebody through something. Um, and I think that song just does it so beautifully. And, you know, Norm Lewis doesn't get better than that. baby. Yeah, you really, you really can't. And if you're if you're listening to this podcast and you're still not sold on listening to this album, there is a one person version of the baseball game from Falsettos. also pretty good it's incredibly i mean is that your favorite on the album it is my favorite on this album it is not my favorite bill finn song sure uh thank you so much billy this was such a great conversation where can people find you on on the internet yeah you can you can find me uh at the billy reesey on instagram and billy reesey on twitter and Billy Reese music on TikTok. I caved. Oh my god! I'm on TikTok. How's that going? It's fine. It's the Wild West, man. <laughs> That's it, another it, podcast. It occurred to me the other day because my in in lockdown, my parents who have have been on Facebook obviously mm-hmm. are like really on Facebook now. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so they're commenting on my stuff. You know. <laughs> And I'm 41 years old. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm, I'm not a child. But I was kind of like, God, I wish my parents weren't here. And then I yeah. went, oh, that's why we keep having things like Instagram like and then TikTok. And then the next thing, it's because eventually, like, your parents are there. And you're like, well, this isn't fun anymore. We're I need just to go somewhere where my parents constantly, are. Constantly running from our parents. Constantly running from our parents. Anytime you laugh. Anytime you cry. Anytime you hear a sound When you're on the grass Lying on the ground Anytime you wash your hands I'll be around I'm out there on the baseball field Though I'm well concealed I'll be out there cheering I'm out there in the books you it is guaranteed I'm not disappearing fast Anytime, no, not anytime And I am there each morning I am there each fall I am present without warning And I'm watching it all. Yes, I'm watching it all. The original cast is produced and edited by me, Patrick Flynn. Please rate and review us on your podcatcher of choice. It's the easiest way to help the podcast grow. 
If you like movie musicals, then you have to check out patreon.com slash originalcastpod to learn about our bonus podcast, The Original Cast, at the movies. You can follow The Original Cast on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at originalcastpod. Special thanks to our social media manager, Bethany Zalecki. Hi, Bethany. My thanks to Billy Reese for coming and talking to me. I'm Patrick Flynn, and I can't. I have rehearsal. I am there in flowers. I am there in snow. I don't know why this thing happened, but this much is clear. Anytime you cry, anytime you sing for anything, I am there each morning. I don't know why this thing happened, but this much is clear. Be aware, I am there. I am there, I am there, I am there. I am there. I am there. Yeah.